past few years, we've heard the term free agents and been told we would all need to become one in order to succeed. The recent economic structures have helped to promote this concept as reality. Where do we get the tools to take control of our career path in the present and future? Welcome to The Career Confidant with your host, Marie Zimanoff. Marie and her guest experts are here to provide you with the tools you need to move forward and achieve your career goals. Now, here is Marie Zimanoff. Hello and welcome to The Career Confidant. We're glad you've joined us here today. As usual, we're going to be talking about how you can hit the school, the tools and resources, the school, the school, the tools and the resources that you need to take your career in your own control and move forward and achieve your goals. Today, we are welcome. We're excited to have a guest with our Stephen Mark Kahan, who is here to talk about how to join a startup, how to evaluate a startup, or how to make your business grow if you are in your own business or thinking about starting a business. Now, Steve, you have grown several startup companies from early stages to being sold. You've had you know $5 billion in shareholder values, so maybe a little bit bigger than some of our listeners. Maybe we've got some folks that are, are in that same group. But you help people with sales and marketing strategy. But before we get into that, I'd just love to hear, you know, going from a Fortune 500 to a startup, tell me a little bit about that journey. Yeah, so uh, for me, I started out in, in the corporate world in a large organization. And I remember when I actually started staring at the pile of claims I was supposed to process that day. Uh, and the student loans eating my paycheck before they ever had an opportunity to hit my bank account. I had about $50 in my account at that time. And I asked myself an important question, and that was, how could I earn a great living loving what I do? And I, and I made the, the switch to the, the startup world, and I've never looked back. And for me, I found that large corporations, they're very much could be in have sort of incumbent mindsets in some ways that the barriers to advancement can be a little bit higher. You could get pigeonholed into a smaller role and they tend to have a little bit more bureaucracy and acceptance of the status quo. And I've always really loved startups because they're really like speedboats. They're darting around those big giant battleships. There's more innovation. They tend to move faster. Uh, and your chance to move into the C-suite is is much greater and much faster. And so that's uh, in part why I made the leap from a large corporation to startups. And as I mentioned, I've never looked back. Yeah. And maybe in a minute, we'll get a chance to dive into that a little more. I've worked with individuals who are trying to make that transition. And sometimes it can be challenging to tell that story, right, to tell a, a startup that this big company guy or gal is going to be an addition to their um, their startup situation, right? That uh, flexibility and agility that you need. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about that too. How do you convince the startup that your Fortune 500 experience is, is really going to help them? Yeah, I, I think Fortune 500 experience certainly can help and it can help in a big way. And I think, though, it it really comes down to being able to, one, sort of working hard and convincing the people that that you are an amazingly hard worker. And and to some extent, it's it's, uh, 
making sure that the hiring manager understands that you are going to roll up your sleeves and get your hands dirty. And, and in a startup, hard work is the price you will pay for the success you desire to achieve. I think also making sure that the hiring manager understands that you're someone that will regularly challenge the status quo, right? And so in startups, uh, it, it tends to be a little bit different than larger companies. You know, we've all heard the sayings, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, or that's the way we always done things around here. And the status quo could be strong and it's often perceived as less risky, but growth requires change. And I think if, uh, uh, most startup entrepreneurs would tell you that uh, most every person and organization that wanted to become great at some point had to challenge the status quo. And and finally, I think if you're able to convince that hiring manager that you are someone who is daring enough to make the tough decisions, right? The world does not exist in black and white. It would be nice if it did, but it really exists in shades of gray. And and are you someone who is able to quickly assess a situation and decide when others stand idle? And if you are and you have that courage when the outcome is unclear, but you'll decide anyways, those three attributes, I believe, are critically important for someone who very well may be super successful in a large corporation, but could be those skills translate perfectly into the startup world. Yeah, I like that. And you kind of made it a little bit more concrete, that idea of you've got to be able to act more independently. You're not going to have a big team. You may not have the structure set up. So telling those stories and being able to speak to when you've made those decisions, because you, you know, even though you had the structure, you have the skill set to make those decisions and, and make it happen inside of or, or outside of the structure. And I love that. So you recently had a cybersecurity company that had a $1.4 billion exit. Tell me a little bit about the growth there. So in five years, I think you said that it, it had that large growth. What was day one and, and how did you get it that big that quickly? Day one was pretty amazing. And so I joined the company. It was roughly $5 million in annual revenue. We were uh, sort of the number five player in uh, a segment of the cybersecurity market called privileged access security and revenue had flatlined for two quarters in a row. And so the venture capital company that had invested was getting a little bit nervous. And we restored revenue growth literally within the first quarter, hit our numbers every quarter for five years running, grew three times faster than the market, took market share away from brutally tough, uh, bigger competitors, and then ultimately had that exit. Uh, but what I remember that was so much fun about it was when I started, I asked the founder and the existing management team, and this was a company that was $5 million in revenue. And then my first day, I said, well, who are, who are the company's customers? And they said, Steve, you, you ought to know this. I mean, we're a cybersecurity company. We sell to the VP of IT security or the CISO, Chief Information Security Officer. And uh, and so I shook my head, said, 
got it, and then started to interview literally on my second day, scheduled and met with a number of the customers. And what I found out was, is that wasn't the the customer at all. The, the, it was really my first aha moment that the customer actually were the IT admins, the techie in the trenches that wore multiple hats and and uh, were never going to read an analyst report, would read peer reviews, wanted things fast and easy, and hung out in different places than those IT uh, security VPs. And, and that was really the start uh, for me to be able to then make the right decision that enabled the company to start its growth trajectory almost immediately. Excellent. So you thinking about, and I love this conversation, right? Who really is the customer? Sometimes I feel like people can get caught up in who's the decision maker. Well, the decision maker might sign off, but if it's the people that are actually going to use what you're selling or service, then they've got to be your advocate. They've got to be invested because going over their head to that, you know, that decision maker that's not who actually needs your solution. So they're not in, invested, even though they may be the one that signs the dotted line at the end of the day. Yeah, hundred percent. And, and in, in that case, those buyers, they wanted super easy to use. They wanted highly flexible solutions. Uh, they needed information fast because they were so busy wearing so many hats. Security was just one of them. And so imagine if I would have built a marketing strategy targeted to the wrong buyer, right? I would have spent a lot of money that would have been completely wasted. And so when I say that that was the first aha moment, I was able to uh, then really understand the full context of the buyer's world to really target messaging and content that would fit their needs perfectly. Yeah, so you could engage them and, and really, it sounds like, do your marketing strategy towards them, but also make sure that the product was aligned with their needs, which is a great place in a startup that you can impact both, right? Yeah, I mean, it was so much fun. And they wanted simplicity, right? These IT admins, and they, they needed it. They expected it and demanded it. And I remember when our simplicity messaging really started to resonate and our competitors started to copy it. And then I went and did some research and I found that in our case, our product documentation was roughly 30 pages, but our big, better funded competitor had a much more complex product. Their product's documentation was over 1500 pages. And so I compared their product documentation to the fifth largest novel ever written in human history trained up our sales force and our partners on that, which they loved. And needless to say, our competitor never took us on with a simplicity message successfully ever again. <laughs> That's a great story. Yes, figuring out what the buyer's looking for. And then when you do have that competitor, uh, being able to make a communication that is accurate and relevant and it sounds like a little bit of a comparison, but just a straightforward comparison, right? Not that, not a teardown message, but just a straightforward comparison. So I love that. We are um, going to drive into some of the other marketing strategies that you used to really move that growth. 
and we have just two minutes. So why don't we do like a little teaser and then we'll take a break and we'll come and, and dive in a little bit more. So what's one marketing tip that you used or one marketing strategy you used to, to, to create that growth? You've got to be great on Google, right? When you buy, you go to Google first and do research. So we knew the keywords that our buyers, these IT admins would be searching for. And what we did was you could read big books to figure out what, uh, what you should do on Google and your head will spin. But what we did was we would have our Google expert meet with content creators at the beginning of the creation of the content to make sure we were properly incorporating those words at the end of the process to make sure they are in fact incorporated, then made sure that content was scannable by Google. And because we created great content, our partners loved it. So we earned a lot of great backlinks. If you just implement that process, you will move up the rankings with Google faster than you could possibly imagine. Yes. And one of those things that is simple, not necessarily easy, right? It's not a complex process, but you have to do it consistently and you have to really be thoughtful about what is my customer searching for so that when they ask that question, my blog will show up on the top or today it might be YouTube, your YouTube video showing up on the top of the results, but same idea. We're going to take a short break. And when we come back, um, learn some more from Steve around the marketing and sales strategies that resulted in that large growth. We'll be right back in just a few minutes. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. You know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career. You can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. Do you need directions to solid financial future? If so, the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern for the Money Answer Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Connect with us and we'll connect with you. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is on LinkedIn. Get the first word about happenings with the network, where our next live event will be, and what's up with our hosts. Look up Voice America on LinkedIn. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. 
If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at strategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to The Career Confidant. And today we've been talking with Steve Cahan about how you can build digital marketing is really where we're headed. But he's been telling his great stories about getting into a startup. We talked about what skill sets a startup is looking for. So if you're looking to make that transition into a startup, that was a great little tip there um, from a successful startup business owner. And now we're talking about the marketing strategies that helped grow the business in five years to a $1.4 billion exit. So Steve, you did write a book on this recently. Uh, I guess you said coming out December 6th, the high velocity digital marketing. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. The book was a lot of fun. I I read a McKinsey survey that said 83% of CEOs expect marketing to drive most of their growth. But the Harvard Business Review said that roughly uh, 80% of CEOs weren't satisfied with the return on their marketing investments. And so sales and marketing leaders at so many companies are overwhelmed by revenue expectations they can't meet. And this is largely because the way people buy today has totally changed. And buyers now rely on digital content to make purchase decisions. So you've got to create great content, get it found on Google, and uh, be great online. And and my book, High Velocity Digital Marketing, teaches you how to do exactly that. I'm excited to read it. So we were talking just a little bit before the, the break around this content strategy and making sure that your team was on target with the strategy at the beginning and then obviously working in the keywords at the end. What else would you add to that in in this marketing strategy conversation? Well, before I would get into specific content, you really have to understand the buyers and the full context of their world. And so many entrepreneurs don't spend enough time or ask the right questions of their customers. And Oftentimes when they meet with them, they'll be asking them questions that just so happen to align with what their products do, right? And that never works, right? And so I have a full system of questions that I actually outline in the book, but let me let me suggest one to, to the listeners. And when you're talking with your buyers, you need to ask them questions about the status quo, which matters because you often don't lose business to a competitor, you lose business to the status quo. And you'll know this when they say, gee, we're not gonna go with you guys because what we have is good enough. And so here's some of the questions you should be asking. Describe your current process for, insert the the problem that your, your company's focused in on. What works, what doesn't work? How does your team stay on top of that problem and not get overwhelmed by it? And what are a few of the tools that you currently use? What do you like about them? What don't you like? And so I would ask questions like that. I would keep a master document that I would populate with their answers and I would reflect that language back to the customers because what you'll find is is that they don't care how 
creative your marketing department is. What they care about is that they want to feel that you understand them, that you empathize with them and uh, speaking their language, using some of the language that they have communicated to you reflects that you do just that. I love that. And it makes it easy to write your marketing content, right? Because you're not trying to go to the thesaurus and find a new word. You're using the, the language that they shared with you. It makes it easy. Absolutely. So after you've gotten the, the what are their real challenges? What, are, what is the gap perhaps between what they're experiencing right now and what you could offer? What are some of the ways that you start massaging that into valuable content? Because you said it, your content was so valuable that your partners were sharing it. And I'm guessing that if we're just regurgitating their problem back to them, it probably isn't going to result in that, that end goal. Right. So the first thing that you need to do is you need to have content across the full spectrum of the buyer's journey. So if you think about it, at the top of the funnel, buyers are discovering solutions here. They're trying to get education. Then they go to the consideration phase where they're defining their problems in more detail and trying to figure out what to evaluate. Then they'll go to the evaluation stage where they actually will evaluate a product and then purchase, right? So the first thing that you need to understand is you've got to have content across all of those stages because you want to capture their imagination and their attention wherever they are in their buyer's journey. And nothing zaps the velocity out of a high-velocity sales and marketing model than not having content in one of those stages. If you have a gap, you're going to be zapping velocity. And so we focused, and I spent a lot of my time, based on the understanding of our buyers, figuring out what content we need to create across those various stages. And then the, the best way to measure whether or not your content is great is this, is if you think about it in your own life, if you're like me, if you go to a website, you probably hate putting in your name, email, address, and phone number in a form because you know you're going to get hounded. And so I, I almost never do, never do it. And what that means is if your content is so great right, that someone's actually going to put their information in there and you have at least a 5% website visitor to lead conversion percentage, then you will know that you've got great content. So that is a metric you could look at today to evaluate whether or not your content one, occurs against all of those stages and then secondly, whether it's great or not. Yeah, and if you don't have that system set up right now, is the time to go and set up that system so that you can watch your visual, watch your visitors. Sorry, watch your visitors and and know who's clicking through. And then, of course, the the lead generation tool, which some of the businesses that may be listening to us don't have that yet. And and I'm hearing you're you're saying that that's so important that there's a reason to capture someone's email, but that your content is compelling enough that they're willing to do that. It's not free. I think that may be a, a false assumption of some business owners is, oh, it's free, so it doesn't have to be that enticing. Right, I mean, and if it's really awesome, people will give you that information, right? At least 5% will. 
And one of the questions I often get is like, how do you get great ideas for content, right? So that's like the, the number one follow-up when we're talking about it. And here's what I did. What I did was I would convene the best and the brightest in our organization, and they could have been in R&D and professional services. It didn't matter what function. And I would send them samples, uh, links to great content inside our industry or outside of our industry. And then I would ask each of them to come to a meeting twice a year with their one best idea of content that our prospects would love. And then we would prioritize them as a team. Oftentimes I would need help, which I'd have my built-in helpers because they wanted to help. And then because I chose the best and the brightest, I also had my built-in cheerleaders to get the rest of the organization to use that content uh, too. So that's how I got great ideas. We always had more content ideas than we ever could possibly implement. Yeah, I love that. And then, of course, if you're an independent business owner, you can do that same thing by maybe convening your customers or convening your prospects. You can make it valuable to them and have that value for yourself because you're asking them what their challenges are, what the best piece of content they've seen is. I think there's a lot of ways that you could do that, even if you're a smaller business and maybe don't have that that large of a team. So let's just quickly switch back. We've talked a lot about entrepreneurship and business building. What about people who may be looking for a job at a startup and they're trying to evaluate, is this a place that's going to be, you know, we can't think anything's going to last very long. (laughs) Is this a place that's going to be worth my time to join into this startup? How do they evaluate that? Yeah. So there, if you talk to uh, most startup CEOs, they are great storytellers. Right. So you could get kind of mesmerized and brought in. And yet that great story might not also be a company that has a great chance to succeed. And so here are the things that I look for. First, I look for quality people that share the same values that I have. When you're at a startup, it's a small company. You're working closely with uh, the employees. And so I wanted to make sure that these folks had the same sort of value set similar as I did and that I really look for leaders that that would rock my world right that were sort of smart motivational uh, hungry and and you could research what they say online to learn some of that then I would look to see does the product fill a big market need how big is that market opportunity that is critically important. You could see a lot of analyst reports that will tell you that. I wanted to make sure that it was a product that I felt very confident in, in that I loved myself as well, and that I felt good about my role in helping to create it. And then that the company had enough financial runway to succeed, so I had the best chance for growth and stability. Those would be the core things that I would look for to separate uh, startups uh, from also rands to ones that really had a better chance to succeed. And I love that you say you can go and see what they're saying online. A lot of times you can see their presentation and analyzing, yes, there is the, the story and the motivation, but also do their ideas match with my values, which, which you said as well. So if they're talking about something that may be cool, but it you read through the lines and you can see that doesn't really fit with 
how I want to run my life or my business or or my work world, then it may not be aligning, even though it, it's neat. It's a cool story, but it might not align. I know there's a lot of stories today about, oh, you know, you get up at four and you do all this. And, and if that isn't fit your lifestyle, then it's probably not a good fit for you because that's going to be something that leader is talking about and, and kind of preaching all the time. So you've got to make sure that those values line up as well as the leadership style and the financial runway. So as we were talking about before, you've got this high velocity digital marketing book. You said it's out on Amazon now, but then uh, the the hardback version or paperback version is going to be released on December 6th. Yeah, high velocity digital marketing. It's available on Amazon or wherever books are sold online. Excellent. Well, I hope people will go and get that, especially if they're in business or thinking about joining business or, of course, in the marketing and sales role at a, at a company. And thank you so much for sharing your insights and your tips today, Steve. Really enjoyed it. And I look forward to reading the book myself when it comes out. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me, Marie. Yeah, so we'll be back on The Career Confidant. We're going to take a short break and come back. And I'm going to just kind of pull this apart a little bit for those of you in the career development space. What might this mean for you in your business or for your clients who are in the startup world or want to be? And so we'll be back in just a few minutes here on The Career Confidant. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career. You can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Say It Skillfully is my new radio show about being who you really are and saying what you think needs to be said. This is your host, Molly Chang. Call in and I'll help you find the right words to tackle any difficult conversation or ticklish situation you've been avoiding. Whether you're part of a small project team or leading a giant company, the more you accept that you're part of the problem, the faster you can be part of the solution. Learn how to be happier, healthier, and more productive at work and in life. Join me live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific on The Voice America Business Channel. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at strategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. 
Hello and welcome back to The Career Confidant. And today we're talking with Steve Mark Cahan about the high velocity digital marketing and really about that focus. And it's one of the areas that I find a lot of marketers miss and especially a lot of small businesses that this may not be their craft, right? Marketing is not their craft, is the real ease and an actual importance of connecting and understanding what their customers are looking for and not assuming. We all somewhat assume that we know what our customer is looking for, but what is it really that they're struggling with? What is their challenge? And what is the outcome that they're seeking? Because it's one thing to market towards the pain. And we know that's important to connect with the, the current state and the gap and what people are missing. But also, what are they hoping for? What's that aspiration? What's the outcome? Because that allows us to balance our marketing and connecting with what they are looking for and not just what the current pain is. I don't know if you've ever read a marketing piece, and oftentimes this happens for me with emails, the long email that never ends, that just is kind of dig, dig, digging at that pain. And we don't like that, right? We need a certain amount of it to uncover the pain, to raise awareness around it. But then if we go too far, it just starts to feel slimy and, and you just want to like delete the email, not very effective. So there's that transition point where you've got to have enough of the emotion and, and get a little uncomfortable with it and then start moving towards the aspiration or outcome that your product or service will lead them to. And oftentimes, I mean, we say this a lot, but we still do it a lot, get over-focused on the features of what we're offering or in the career space, it might be the process, this is what I do, and we want to explain that to people, but that's really not what they care about. They care about what they're going to get out of it. And that isn't a resume, right? It's the other pieces of what they're getting out of it. Confidence, quick, quickly being able to target the roles, more interviews, which of course we may not be able to promise, but research shows pretty easy to get more interviews from a, a professionally written resume versus one people write themselves, even a focused coached, you know, coached through resume versus one someone's done through for themselves. So when we're thinking about the outcomes they're looking for, what are what are those aspirational goals that they'd want from working with someone that does whatever we do? That's what we want to include in the marketing. And I love that Steve was talking about how really digging in and understanding what the the colleague that his clients were looking for and the gap between what they had now and what he could offer that focus on asking them about the status quo. What are they getting from what they're doing right now? What's working for them? What's not working for them? And this was a little bit of sales psychology that I ran into a few months ago in a training where the person was talking about that if we pick too much at what they think they've already done as a solution, it actually can backfire on us because our ego wants to say, well, I know that's a problem, so therefore I can fix it. And so that our sales conversations and maybe a little bit our marketing are also to uncover some problems some questions that the person hasn't necessarily thought of because then we can offer the solution to that without damaging their ego. So if I bring up a new question, a new concern that's related to their initial concern, 
now I can position myself as the one to help them solve that or my product can help them solve that without being wrapped up in their ego of they already knew that was a problem. So their ego says, therefore, they should be able to fix it, right? So if we just harp on their known problem, we can kind of back ourselves into that corner. But once we know the problems they already are aware of by examining that that status quo, the what they're already doing, then we can also identify some things we know would be uh, additional challenges that they may not be thinking about yet and be able to shift that conversation. It also, as we were talking about, makes your marketing a lot easier when you are engaging with your customers consistently, asking them what their challenges are, tracking that language, writing down that language, or gathering it in surveys and questionnaires so that then you can use that language in your marketing conversations and your marketing messaging instead of coming up with or using terms that might be effective to you, but don't resonate or engage with your audience. Um, So what is the language they're using? How do they describe their challenges and, and their desired solutions? Because when you have that language, it's a lot easier to write your marketing and it's a lot more effective. And of course, you can do keyword research, and that's important. But when you listen to your customers, you may find that that keyword research is easier because you can start with their language versus starting with your language and having to try to back into what it is that people are actually searching for to do what you think that you're selling uh, product or service. So as you are considering that for your business, it's also very relative to your job search. Same process, right? If you are job seeking, whether it's in a startup or not, we'll get to that here in a minute. It's all about what is that hiring manager actually looking for? Now in the job search world, we've got these lovely things called job descriptions, but they can get in your way because they are not the end all be all. So the job description is just one place where you're finding out what is the company looking for, what are they hiring for, and you want to expand past that. Just like we were talking about with business development, you want to be talking to hiring managers. You obviously, this is maybe more important if you weren't in the field already, if you're making a transition, go and do that research to see what people are actually talking about. But even if you were in the field, just to talk to and listen to what's going on in that space. What are some of the gaps? What are the challenges? And as you're networking, you're asking those questions. One, because people like to answer them and you get that conversation going. And two, then you get that language to use in your resume, your LinkedIn profile and your messaging, your your networking conversations moving forward. The other thing is that then that conversation is always successful because that person can answer those questions and help you, even if they're not able to make an introduction or they don't have a job available at their company, which you wanna be careful about asking in an interview anyways, right? So you have that opportunity to really connect with them and find out more about what the job is looking for beyond what might be on the job description. And then you're doing the same thing like he was talking about in in content, you're doing the same thing in your resume, LinkedIn profile, and any posts you might make on the platforms that you're engaged in so that you can connect with with them. Taking a step back, and um, Steve talked about the importance of Google in 
search and being seen as a thought leader, of course, as an individual job seeker, you're not going to be that much worried about that. But you do want to know where are your hiring companies? Where are the people who are looking for someone like you? Are they on LinkedIn on a regular basis? Are they on Instagram? Are they on you know Facebook groups? Because when you do that research, then obviously you can learn what they're talking about, what they're looking for, but you can engage with them on platforms where they might be more consistently engaged in the platform. We were talking earlier in a different marketing session about the 12 touch points. I've heard nine to 12, seven to 12. I think 12 is the highest I've heard that you have to have that many touch points before someone will buy. And so if you're thinking about building the relationships, whether you're a business owner or you're a job seeker, you've got to find ways to be in connection with people several times before they will do business with you or hire you. So finding the opportunities that they're already engaged in where you can engage in those conversations may not be Google, may not be your blog, although for some of you it may be, but where else are they that you can come in and, and join the conversation? Would it podcasts? Is it you know video? Is it on a different social platform? Is it on LinkedIn? Where are those opportunities to connect? Because you can't get your message out there if you're not in the places where people are having those conversations. And then the point that if you are looking to work for a startup, and um, you know, VC funding has taken a little bit of a dip here right now. And you'll see that the shift has gone from kind of the innovation to the profit. So looking for companies that are profitable, looking for the opportunity to have good resilience through a possible recession versus the last few years, the emphasis has been a lot on innovation. So if you're looking at startups, you're looking at organizations, and you always wanted to do that research for, as Steve called it, the financial runway, but now that's going to be important in terms of profitability, not just top line revenue and innovation and kind of the blue sky that we saw with Uber and some of those companies and the big valuations. You're going to see that decrease a little bit and be focused more on profitability. And so as you're doing your research towards those startup companies, if that's a, a place that you're interested in moving or staying, that it would be where I would start, what's going on and how is the company talking about their profitability, not just their innovation um, and, and growth potential. Of course, those are, are part of it still, but how are they making sure that they're actually delivering a profit because you're gonna to continue to see the, the VC funds and startup you know, investments being focused on those types of companies, at least in the short, short run, we'll see what happens beyond that. But a startup is no more likely to face a, a layoff than a big organization. Um, big organizations are making that very clear and obvious right now, but it's always been the case. Startups are not less likely to pay more. You know, there's a lot of myths around the, the startup there. And I will say that if you are in the career space and you're interested in starting or growing a business, um, join us in the Career Thought Leaders. We've got a Facebook group. We've got our own community on, on Mighty Networks. And if you go to careerthoughtleaders.com or you email me at marie, M-A-R-I-E, at careerthoughtleaders.com, you'll see that we have a great opportunity coming up to join our membership for a little preview week. 
and get some coaching in growing your business or improving your practitioner skills. And we do that on a regular basis. So if you're listening to that at some other, listening to this at some other point, shoot me an email and I'll give you the information on our next upcoming preview week of our community of individuals that are running their private practice or working in organizations as a career service provider. We are gonna take a short break. And when we come back, I'm gonna give you the quick tips, the short session, the, you know, dive in and get it done on what you need to do if you wanna build a business that can be profitable throughout the recession. We'll be right back in just a few minutes. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. You know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career. You can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. Are you a business owner, 1099 contractor, part-time employee, or volunteer who needs group health coverage you can actually afford? Do you know a nonprofit who would benefit from unlimited zero-cost funding? How about cost reduction, school safety, mental health wellness, and more? All these and more are fair game on finding certainty. If you want more certainty in your own life, you are not alone. Join us each Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Find your own brand of certainty and realize your personal American dream with Finding Certainty, hosted by Patrick Lang. Let's unwrap the certainty experience together. Defeat the Chaos with Corey Harris and Julie Traxler hits on topics every week that affect small business owners across this country. They provide insights that show entrepreneurs how to reduce stress, wear fewer hats, and work shorter hours. Take your business from being owner-dependent and stagnant to growth-ready and process-driven every Thursday at 9 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Tune in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at strategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. So we've all been hearing this recession word thrown around. And if you're a business owner, it may start to get your stomach in knots. What is this going to mean for my business? How am I going to be successful? Of course, businesses thrive during recessions. And it doesn't have to mean that your business will take a dip. So what can you do to make sure that it doesn't? The first thing is to figure out that sweet spot. Now, the sweet spot is where you're credible and energetic content meets your audience's needs. So it's gotta be something that you love to deliver, that you're credible at, that people see you as a thought leader or can quickly see you as a thought leader in that space. 
it's an area where you're the subject matter expert or you've got a team or you've got the opportunity to quickly become known as that, right? People have to believe that you can deliver value on that subject area. And you may be building towards something else and that's fine, but you've got to find that place where right now people could see you as that subject matter expert or the credible person to buy that service or product from. That's got to match up with what your client's actual gaps are. What are their goals? What are they needing to achieve? And how you're gonna make sure you're targeting the people that actually need what you're selling and finding out what their needs are. What is the gap? What is their pain? And what is that aspirational goal that they wanna achieve if they buy your product or service? When you have that sweet spot figured out, then you can figure out what is it that I'm going to do to find my audience? Where are they? Where do they hang out? What conversations are they already having? And then once you've identified where they are, you're really going to dive deep to understand why they want that product. What is it that they're missing from what they're doing right now? What are their comfort zones? And they're really enjoying what they're doing right now, but I could pick at that a little bit to get them where they want to go next. That balancing act, if you will, between showing them that they they know some things and they're doing it well, and then here's how they would get to that next level so that there's not too much of a, of a tension between the pain that you're sharing with they are right now and, and where they would want to be. Then those entry points of how will they start to do business with you? And you want to map those out before you start creating your content because what the offer is, you want the content to lead into that. And so a lot of people just start creating content when they really aren't clear on the offer. And then there's a mismatch or it's not a clear a clear lineage into that offer and it feels stilted or it feels pushed and doesn't it just doesn't work. And that oftentimes happens with sales when you feel like, hey, you know, this just doesn't kind of fit. It can be because the offer isn't really matched to the content that they're creating. So what are those offer is going to be, what is the entry point for someone to do business with you and what are the opportunities to engage at bigger levels, perhaps up from there? And then what is that lead generation tool going to look like? Again, mapping that out before you start creating content, what's the call to action going to be, or a few different calls to action perhaps, where they're really going to want to engage with you? How are they going to get engaged with you? How are you going to get their contact information? Yes, a, a follow and a join my group and all of that is okay. But today, as we can see with the fall of Twitter, it's really about figuring out your email list, getting people's contact information to the place where you can always have it, even if your social media gets taken away tomorrow. Once you have that figured out and that strategy, then you can move into the content creation. So you know what your, what your service is gonna be that fulfills your calling, your, your message, as well as your client's needs. You figured out where are they, you've started to engage with conversations around what do they really need, what are their pains, and what are their aspirations, and you've got those tools thought about in terms of your offer and your lead generation tool. Then when you go to start to create content, now it's going to feel more organic. You've got the challenges they're facing. You've matched an offer up to fix that challenge. And you're creating content that adds value without 
covering all the steps so that you've got that next step. Now, this is tricky in today's marketing because people can feel it when you're holding back, right? And there's a million opportunities out there to read free content. This is one of the challenges the people often face in the career space. You know, I, I want to have that opportunity for someone to work with me. How do I do that? Well, let me tell you that if someone's problem was how to network, they wouldn't need you, right? Because the how is everywhere. There's millions of articles and videos on how to network. The challenge, the gap is how do I? Not how to network, but how do I network? With all my limitations, with my personality and my industry, whatever it is that is going on in people's heads, it's how do I, not how to. So you can write your article about how to network and don't be concerned about those people that will take it and, and implement it and be successful. They were never going to be your client. They weren't. Because your client is that person, especially if you're a coach, that needs the how do I, that needs the help of framing it and scripting it and practicing and making sure that it's really going to work for them. And each topic that you might talk about is going to have a similar flow. So you can write about the what without any reservation. You can even write about some of the how without reservation. So people know they should be networking. Here's some ideas on the how. And then your call to action might be, you know, a networking checklist if you want the structure to make it happen faster. Or the networking scripts if you want some language to get you going and make it easier. So you can see how you can still give people a lot of value and then your lead gen tool or your, your service is that one next step. And don't forget that the call to action is simply that invitation of this is what you can do if you need more help. It isn't about selling, it's about giving that person the next step if they're interested and if they need more help than what the article or other piece of content that you're creating can provide. And when you do that, when you start from the beginning and you move through the system and you really connect with your client's needs and provide valuable content, one, you don't have to be creating content every single day. You just don't. You want to create 20% of the time and promote it 80% of the time. Most of us probably aren't doing that. What does that look like? You take little snippets from a video or an audio or a blog and you share it with value across the platforms where your audience will be. You drive them back to that longer piece and then you've got that call to action there that gets those who are interested that next step that they can take into the process. And then of course, don't forget, and you set this up before you even start your content, what is the follow-up process going to look like? If someone does put in their email to get that lead generation tool, there needs to kick off some kind of process where you have an ongoing communication with that person. It could be automated, but watch out, make sure it's still engaging and doesn't feel like you're just one number on my list. Some of my business owners may not be to the automation place yet, and that's okay too. Still got to have that system that once someone downloads this, simple Google form, and it sends that Google form into a, a Google spreadsheet, you go through and you send the people whatever it is that that download is. And then you put them on a cycle. So once every three to five days, you're following up to see if they've implemented it 
to see if they've had questions. It's not about the sales pitch, about the relationship and making sure they've implemented what you've already shared with them, because only then will they want to take the next step to get some more value. We will be right back here again next week on The Career Confidant with another guest. And as always, if you have ideas for suggestions or topics, feel free to email me at marie, M-A-R-I-E, at careerthoughtleaders.com. We look forward to seeing you next week. Thank you for listening to The Career Confidant. Marie Zimanoff will return again with another terrific guest next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Be sure to join us then.